coming up, George Munsey on the USA Franchise Cricket in Scotland and a little piece of history takes place at the Grange. Welcome to the Cricket Scotland podcast. Ball out there, give Hamilton any wits. He'll take you. Captain Catherine Bryce comes under it. She won't make any mistake. That's the first wicket for Scotland. Six to win and Richie Barrington has finished it with a six. And that's the win for Scotland. They've secured the Super over. Oh, must be out. It is out. Scotland have done it. What a victory this is for Scotland. The greatest in their cricketing history. Rosie, very excited about this week's show. A cracking interview coming up, a great start to the Women's Premier League and a new look to our domestic roundup in the second half of the programme. And it's a packed one, that's for sure, Jake. Really looking forward to it all and especially when we get on over the next few weeks as we are trying our hand at a little bit of result predicting, which should be quite interesting to listen to, I'm sure. It certainly will. Uh, Look at those games coming up that are too close to call, but we're going to call them anyway. Uh, We are certainly not planning to make it easy for ourselves, that's for sure. Uh, We'll also chat through our performances of the week and etch a few names into our honours board. Three centurions this week to add to those who've already put their names up there this season. So let's get going, starting with our big interview. George Munsey has had another storming start to the season, scoring two 50s for Scotland in the Cricket World League 2 series against Oman and PNG, before finishing up as top scorer in the cool and smooth T20 in the Caribbean. We caught up with the man himself the day before he flew out with Scotland to Texas for the next round of League 2. We are sure he'll have no trouble in catching up in some lost hours of sleep. George, welcome. Great to see you. And so many congratulations, first of all, on the birth of your daughter. How are you finding life as a new dad? Thank you. No, it's good to be here. Um, it's, it's been pretty good so far. Thank you. Um, Ava's, Ava's doing really well and uh, so is the mother. But um, it's, uh, you know, a, a different lifestyle, not sleeping, but it's uh, it's very enjoyable. Dad life. What's your most dad thing that you do? I think I've been a dad for longer than, than what I've actually been a dad. I think, um, as my teammates will say, I'm pretty boring these days. I, I get my cup of tea at night, so I've been doing that for a few years now. <laughs> well, it's fantastic to have you back on again. And just before you travel to the USA with Scotland as well for the next round of the Cricket World Cup League 2, what's the feeling in the squad about the trip? I think people are pretty excited because, you know, linking Texas with cricket probably doesn't go hand in hand. So um, I think people don't know what to expect, but they also know that they're going to go visit somewhere where many people want to go and either take a holiday or go for work and just experience what um, Houston has to offer. So I think pretty pretty excited but um also you know the guys know we've, we've got a job to do we've got to go get some points out there and um we're, we're quite a focused team now so we know we know that's what we're there to do and that's what we're gonna you know come home with well i mean last time out it was a superb performance all round really against omar and png um i mean you showed yourself to be in great form again with your 220 runs in the four odis uh, with those couple of half centuries as well. I mean, what was your your highlight of of that last trip, either personally or or, or team wise? Um, oh, it's really hard to score hundred banner five. That's the first thing. Um, <laughs> I think I think the highlight for me is is how we go as a unit. You know, it's 
every game we've got someone standing up and as a batting unit that's so important um, you look at the games uh, a lot of them were quite close close games and every run matters um, you know the bowlers and against a man gave away so few extras that that really won us the game um, and just the way we got over the line as well you know in, in the close games some unbelievable fielding um, some great bowling Hamza's catch you can you can pinpoint um, a few key moments that we just we just won and that's probably something we've been guilty of in the past is you know letting things slip at the key moments the key times and it's it's good to you know see a trend that we're, we're starting to really not only acknowledge the key moments but take them and and that good form that you showed in Dubai then was extended into the cool and smooth T20 in Antigua where you finish with 208 runs off 128 balls and the title of the tournament's top scorer. How was that experience? Yeah, no, really good experience. Um, I was just talking to Jake off the air there that it's so important for us to find games of cricket because it's something that we're not blessed with in Scotland is long summers and, and you know, lots of high-quality cricket. So to be able to go out to um, Antigua and play some uh, relatively decent standard of cricket was, was good for me and it's something that I look and try and do throughout the summer is just find ways to challenge myself in different environments, different pitches, different bowlers. And uh, yeah, it was good fun. I saw a picture that you posted during that tournament too, of you with one of my and what will be a lot of other people's great heroes, Vivian Richards, uh, still the coolest man I've ever seen on a cricket field, that swagger to the wicket. You know, how could any school kid not get hooked on cricket after that? Um, how, how was the Viv? Yeah, it was good. You know, I was I was all too happy to um, take a take a selfie with him. He asked nicely, um, but uh, no, it was a pretty a pretty cool experience. Um, uh, he was there with a, with a few other legends, and just to have a quick chat about cricket, then a slightly longer chat about golf was uh, was was all too fun. And um, you know, I I also watched him growing up and watched a few others growing up, and um, it's it's pretty it's pretty special. And that's you know what these T Twenty tournaments bring is. You know, it wasn't just him. There's some West Indian players playing. There's a few other people playing. So it was cool to catch up with them and just talk to them about the game and how they go about what they what they do. I mean, Viv was one of the, the pioneers of franchise cricket, of course, as part of the World Series cricket back in the 70s. And talking of that a bit more widely, there was a really interesting debate that began during the T20 World Cup about just how franchise rather than international cricket is now powering the development of the T20 game, that the the gap between those top six or seven teams and the rest is widening because of the amount of franchise cricket that their players have access to. I mean, we spoke for, for my book about something related to that in terms of the amount of learning Scotland has to squeeze out of every big game experience because they're still comparatively rare. It, it's still a really thorny problem, isn't it? Definitely. I think, you know, I, I probably lost my way a little bit in T20 cricket in the last year or so. And it's probably down to not, not playing enough T20 cricket. You know, and that's that's why I wanted to go out to Antigua is to really uh, go back to what I do, and that's look for boundaries from ball one. And if if the ball's not there to hit, just find a way to to get off strike. And I think your point of franchise cricket sort of leading the way is it gives players the opportunity to go out there and, and practice their their routines, to practice their gameplays, to practice their different things they're working on. Whereas international cricket, you, you the games are few and far between, so you don't get that luxury of time at the crease, you know, developing a new skill, but also putting under pressure in match situations. If you're out, you're out, you know, against quality opposition. 
And that's why I think the franchise is such an important part um, of T20 cricket right now. It's probably such an important part of the future and something that Cricket Scotland really has to you know, embrace and grab hold of and, and find ways for their players to go out there and perform in the other leagues, but also in, you know, finding ways to create our own matches and games at home where we can really develop the next crop of Richie Berenson's and Carl Coates's. So what do you do you see as the way forward? Do you see a role for for the ICC or, or national boards beyond Cricket Scotland, or whoever else really, to help in, in other ways as well? Yeah, you know, the start, it probably comes from the ICC. It comes down to budgets. It comes down to them wanting to grow the game. Um, but Cricket Scotland's in a position where no matter what the budget is, they just have to find a way to um, give the current crop of players enough game time to be progressing their games but also more importantly probably the, the next crop of players who are going to be stepping into our shoes when we you know we we leave the shirt behind which is you know that's, that's part of uh, international and professional sport is you know we want to leave the the shirt in a better place than where we found it and I think that's that is down 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 to the players but it's also down to the organization to find ways which which could be franchise cricket it could be regional cricket it could be whatever you want to call it but it's it's the quality and quantity of those games that are really important it can't be club cricket can't be relied upon to produce um you know the next stars when one minute you're playing club cricket and the next minute you're at a world cup playing you know against new zealand or pakistan or india um so then it's down to cricket scotland to find a way no matter what the budget is to give those opportunities to the current and future stars of uh, scottish cricket yeah certainly and and i mean picking up on, on on one of those points um really in relation to the the team and where it is just now after the t20 world cup i mean speaking to, to kyle for the for the book as well he highlighted how important that t20 world cup was in resetting the bar for the side that you can only really do that after experiencing at first hand where those biggest teams have got to. I mean, there's obviously another T20 World Cup coming up later in the year. So how much better placed are we now, do you think, to be able to take the experience that we just had in, in uh, Oman and, and, and Dubai into our preparation for the, for the next one? I think, realistically, any experience is, is better experience. Um, I think the frustrating thing for me about the World Cup was we then waited five months to play our next game. And at the international level, the game does not stop. And you look at other countries around the world, how many games they were playing in that time, that time frame was, was huge. So their, their opportunities to learn, to, to grow was you know, so much higher. Of course, we keep going back to the, the budget issue and the money issue, but, but you know, that, that's, that's the nature of the beast and the hardships of uh, being an associate is um, we learned so much in that World Cup. We learned where the bar was. We learned we're not at the bar, but we, we could perform at that level, but not for a long enough period of time. And the only way of, of, of pushing ourselves is to play against bigger and better oppositions. And that's, that's the hardest thing being, you know, in our shoes uh, for Scotland, being an associate is those games are few and far between. And, um, you know, to have five months off after the... Uh, and a massive experience, a massive learning curve. Um, it makes putting those lessons hard um, into practice, into you know the next crop of games. It was the 50 over stuff in in Dubai that you know we saw some we saw some great individual performances, but you know there's also some rust in there as well, and that's only natural with with taking that much time off. So 
it, it's a really catch twenty two situation for Scotland with with all these um, you know uncertainties and, and things we have to put up with. So it's 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 a challenging time, but exciting time at the, at the same point of view. And I think uh, we're always going to be better off for the experiences. We just got to find a way to have more. And to, to coin a phrase, to borrow from Kyle, something he said at the T20 World Cup, a, a bit of boldness and bravery is needed. Absolutely. And, you know, as a as a business, as an organisation, they're going to have to take a risk at some point, which we all know. But it, it just, you know, it amazes me that we've got, fortunately, another World Cup coming up and um, not masses of T20 in the calendar. So hopefully, fingers crossed, that changes and uh, we can have plenty of prep build up for this World Cup and really put the things... Um, that we didn't do quite as well as we wanted to in the last World Cup, put them right, and that with some good, consistent performances, it would be amazing to see how far we could go. We could go, you know, a lot further than the Super 12s. Absolutely. Well, it's a huge topic and something that we'll no doubt be returning to before the year's out. But to finish our chat today, we have our unusual questions to take us a little bit behind the badge with a quick-fire 10 questions for you, George. Okay, are you ready? Yeah, let's go. Golf or gym? Golf. PlayStation or box set? PlayStation. Pre-match food of choice? Better be careful here. (laughs) Uh, Pasta. Messiest teammate? Matthew Cross, without a shadow of a doubt. Do you have any superstitions? No. Walk on music. Uh, I don't know. Um, Rocky. The theme tune to Rocky. That was faster than most people answered. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) If you could have a superpower, what superpower would it be? Flying. Best holiday destination? Australia. If you weren't a cricketer, what would you be? Golfer. Easy, wasn't it? That we, I think we all knew that. <laughs> Best moment for Scotland? Um, used to be the England game, um, but the way we beat Bangladesh at the World Cup was also pretty, pretty cool. So what piece of advice, cricket or otherwise, would you give to your teenage self? Um, Stop being a fool um, because the first few years of my teens were probably a little bit too uh, sensible and uh, trying too hard to be what I wanted to be. So just chill out a little bit and um, just really enjoy the, the process of of life, trying to achieve whatever your goals are, because at the end of the day, those are the, the hard yards that, that put you in good stead. And um, it's, it's enjoyable to sort of look at that and uh, to reflect on the hard work you've done. That's very wise, George. Um, so thank you. Um, I'm going to take that advice. Um, <laughs> if you could change anything about the game, what would it be? Only play 220 cricket. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so, so much, George, um, for coming on. And hopefully we'll see you soon. Cheers. George Munsey, our very best to him and the rest of the team to take on USA in the first ODI of the series on Saturday. So let's move on to our domestic roundup and our featured game for the week, one of the Women's Premier League. A bit of history at the Grange, Jake. It was, wasn't it? Uh, to kick off the Women's Premier League, we had the first match 
for Grange playing in their own right after joining up last season with Watsonians and the first of any kind for the Northern Lights, newly formed and a team looking like it's ready to challenge for the title from the off. And so it proved as the visitors put in a dominant display that throws down the gauntlet for the others in what looks like being the most competitive edition of the Women's Premier League to date. Batting first on an absolute belter of a pitch, lights openers Becky Glenn and Megan McColl didn't take long to hit their stride. Glenn driving the first four of the season in the third and McColl following it up with three in succession in the fourth. It was very nearly four and four, the ball being chased down just short of the deep backward square rope before Glenn got in on the act again in the fifth, the second of two more back-to-back boundaries, a lovely leaning drive through point. And so it continued. 13 came off the 7th, 16 off the ninth, with a chance coming and going as McColl's firmly middle drive was put down at cover. But that was it as far as clear-cut opportunities went as the two raced each other to 50. McColl won that battle, bringing up the milestone and the Team 100 with a smash down the ground to the boundary. But a partner was not far behind, Glenn reaching her own half-century in the following over as the run rate stayed above 10. The gallop to 100 was a bit more one-horsed as Glenn then took control with a terrific array of shots, a superb timer of the ball. She had 18 fours to her name by the time she hit the one that took the team to 200 and her own score into three figures. 102, retired out and a terrific innings to get the light season underway. Her Scotland teammate was not long in following her, a 16th four, taking McCall to exactly 100 in the 24th. Kirsty McColl, replacing her sister in the middle, had three when she was bowled by Neve Robertson-Jack, just reward for the Grange bowler who'd been the pick of their attack from the start, but Emma Halliwell then batted beautifully to finish with 65 not out at the close. 334 for three, a Women's Premier League record and about as emphatic a performance in their first innings of competitive action as the Northern Lights could have hoped for. It was an all but impossible task facing the Grange youngsters in the second innings and midway through the second over of the reply, Grange were two for two. A third ball wicket for Abby Hogg and a run out making the host's task all the harder. Robertson Jack was again the star, hooking brilliantly for four in the second and again in the fourth. But when she hauled out in the deep to a ball by Zoe Bailey, having scored 34 of her side's 45 runs by that point, the end was in sight. Skipper Catherine Edwards, who had been exemplary throughout, fielding and bowling well and keeping the encouragement of a young side coming, never once did their heads drop, even through that first innings onslaught, fell for five before a terrific two-handed grab from her opposite number, Megan McColl, wrapped up the win with just over 14 overs to spare. 59 all out, three for 19 for Zoe Bailey and a crushing win for the visitors to set them on their way. But this was a game about more than its result. In the pavilion at Grange is a photograph taken in 1997 of the last women's side to represent this historical club. With captain Linda Spence at its centre, a pioneering figure in the history of the women's game in Scotland, it's a picture that predates the formation of the national side by three years. To have a team representing Grange again is a really important step for women's club cricket and to have the game played here at the scene of so many iconic moments in the history of the men's game is no less significant. This was not only the first Women's Premier League game played at the Grange, but the first women's game of any sort to be played on this ground this century. Pretty incredible thought, and the camaraderie on display after the match, with the players posing for a joint photo and signing the match ball, highlighted the history of the moment that was very much in the air. So here are the post-match thoughts of Catherine Edwards and first winning skipper Megan McCull. Megan, congratulations. Fantastic way to finish it with that diving catch at the end. You must be really pleased. 
Oh yeah, that was it was so good that like as that as our first game was absolutely amazing. Like especially having it being Grange's very first game as as an individual club as well. I thought it was like a good game all round for everyone, and everyone got a go at doing everything, and it was it was just a good game, yeah. Set up by a, a cracking performance at the bat from yourself and Becky in particular, two two centurions, and also Emma Halliwell. Word for Emma on her debut. Oh yeah, it was class. Obviously, me and Becky to start off the the WPL with hundreds each like that's obviously like a good effort like against any team uh, and then Emma to come in with only like 10 overs to go in to hit 50 was just so good from her to be able to just show herself like especially in the women's game. Fantastic venue to play your first game by our reckoning the first women's match that's been here certainly in the WPL but possibly even this millennium and next week of course Manorfield Watsonians. Oh yeah, obviously playing at the Grange this week was absolutely amazing. I don't think any of the girls would have ever imagined they would be playing at such a a good ground. So it was obviously good to have our first game here and obviously next week back at Manifield. That'll just be a good good start for the season uh, for us to just have our second game up at Manifield and hopefully get another win up there as well. Catherine, commiserations today, but... A sense of an occasion that was about more than the more than the result. Just seeing the the celebrations and things afterwards. Yeah, exactly. I think for us, the win wasn't the big thing today. It was actually just having a team out there, filling the whole overs, and just having a good sort of fun time out in the field with all the girls. I mean, as we said in the the, the innings break, you know, you'll have easier assignments than than this yeah. one coming up. <laughs> How are you feeling about the season ahead? I'm really positive towards it. I think take a loss today but all the girls were so keen and they're really enthusiastic and I think for us it's just a big thing about building up their confidence as that and as that grows I think the future looks bright for us. So fantastic playing this ground uh, today yeah. as I was just saying to Megan and next week Grange loan Carlton. Carlton yeah so big game there again so yeah just looking forward to it really. Grange and Watsonians, the team they played alongside last year, are likely to find this season a tough one in terms of results. There are some very strong teams in this division, but with the facilities and great support on offer at both clubs, what they're both building is pretty exciting for the future, Rosie. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Jake, and great to have you know Grange going alone themselves without Watsonians this year and Northern Lights joining. So, yeah, really historic game. But on to the other big stories from the weekend. Remember, you can keep up with all the results from stats to video clips on CS Live. So let's have a delve deeper into what happened elsewhere, beginning with some extra additions to the honours board. Yes, we'll be updating our honours board for Centurions and Fifers in the top three divisions from week to week. So joining previous 100 scorers, Michael English, Matthew Cross, Riyad Henry, Ollie Hares, Leonard Bester, Lloyd Brown, Becky Glenn and Megan McColl, we have Sterling County's Brandon McMullen. 101 over the weekend, partnership of 126 with Matthew Tweedy. A really good start by Sterling to this season. Two wins now out of three, uh, including that big one against Uddingston uh, a couple of weeks back. And McMullen, with 202 runs to his name already, a big part of that. A real class act. But it was definitely a weekend for the bowlers, Jake. There had only been four Fifers in the Western and Eastern Premier Leagues before Saturday. From Danny Cairns, Neil Alexander, Mark Watt and George West. But we've got another three to add to the list. James Dickinson took six for 37 for RHC against Forfisher. Shuja Khan took five for 23 in Carlton's win over Watsonians. And John Grant took five for 44 for Stonywood Dice against Grange. All from the East though, Jake. 
Yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? There's only been one one fifer in the West so far. Danny Cairns, that six for nineteen for Clydesdale against uh, against Kelburn. An honourable mention, though, to Adil Gaffer, who finished off Uddingston's innings with a hat-trick, 4 for 18 in that seven-wicket win that got Fergusty's campaign back on track after uh, defeat to Dumfries last weekend. So we have plenty to choose from for performances of the week. What are you thinking, Jake? Uh, it's it's so difficult trying to choose a performance of the week, isn't it? From the East, I could have gone easily, I think, Falkland, uh, that terrific win they had over our Broth really really important month for them coming up in june as well you know having got that first win under their belts they've got watsonians then stumel then rhc three games that you feel could very much make or break their their season coming back to back i was also tempted very much by west of scotland twice over actually the men's superb in bowling air out for 106 in the western premier and then the women beating Champions Carlton by two runs on Sunday in the Women's Premier. But even though it pains me, as my club was on the receiving end of it, I'm going to go into the Esker Championship for my performance of the week and Gala's win over Pennycook. Absolute nail-biter at the end. Uh, Pennycook had posted 225 for nine. Richard Adams unbeaten with 83 from number eight. Uh, but the home side chase it down in the final over. They'd gone into the 49th with two wickets in hand and three runs needed. But a wicket off the first ball took it right down to the wire. Gala just squeaking over the line at the end for their first win of the season. So 52 for Josh Irvin, 81 for Upal Indrasiri and a great win for them. Smashing club Gala, beautiful setting and really good people around the club. Uh, but I'm so pleased to see my guys doing well too. Pennycook took a, a voluntary drop down three divisions from the championship a few seasons ago and they've built back stronger and better. There's a great youth section at the club. Skip Rolly Picken, who's just 21, is a product of that. And that result leaves both teams with pretty much identical records. And while I'm not sure that a charge for promotion to the Eastern Premier is on the cards just yet, I'm sure both will do well this year. Um, I'm certainly looking forward to following that progress and hopefully getting back up to Kirkhill myself again soon. Yeah, Jake, I think it is uh, hard to, to pinpoint, but I think I'm going to turn my head a little bit to the the West and Carlton Women's Premier League uh, on Sunday, which West managed to win by two runs uh, in the end, which was a nail-biting last over uh, bowled by Anne Sturgis. But Abby Aitken-Drummond, she scored 70 runs um, and, you know, she had a really good bat. So I think uh, all, credit, all credit to her, even though Carlton didn't get over the line um, and Ellen Watson for West of Scotland absolutely smashed um, 81, 81 runs, um, which which was just great to see and great to see the, the you know the Scotland internationals uh, performing well at the moment and exciting uh, when we head into those global qualifiers in the end of September as well. So we kicked off to a really good start. But one person I want to mention in in particular was at the Dumfries-Galloway game against RHC, which saw a debut from Rashini Prince and Navaratanam. And she, on her debut, got four wickets. You can imagine for Dumfries, this was very exciting. And her partner in crime as well, Hannah, uh, who also had her debut, managed to take three wickets uh, against RHC. And not only did Rashini bowl well but she managed to also get 53 runs 
uh, with the bat. So just very exciting and very exciting to have someone new within the Women's Premier League. She's just moved up uh, from Lancashire um, up to Dumfries. So excited to see how she progresses within the Women's Premier League this year. Yeah, not a bad debut. I was following the scores from the from the Grange where I was and yeah, can't wait to see Roshini in action. Um, Dumfries, I know you're you're maybe slightly slightly biased here, uh, <laughs> being 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 your your side. But Dumfries looking a really really good bet um, in the in the tournament as a whole. I think um, you know really strong side with uh, say with Roshini, with Hannah, with Orla, uh, with yourself, of course. And uh, yeah, looking good. Thanks for giving me that credit, Jake. I really don't feel like I, I feel like I'm just standing there at the moment these days. But although, you know, although you must uh, share with us um, something that you texted to me yesterday about um, what happened before the game. <laughs> yeah. Okay, right. So yeah, I just said like it's been a great day when I only managed to get two injuries during the warm up. <laughs> but you know. You know, club cricket, you know. That's it. Just that's rosy. It. <laughs> just rosy things. Yeah, I'm sure get, other people can relate. Yeah, just getting the rust out. Just getting the rust out. It's been a long yeah. winter. Well, Definitely pulled <laughs> a few muscles, though. <laughs> so, to finish with then, let's look ahead to next week and make a prediction for our choice of game. That's too close to call, but we're going to call anyway. Some intriguing ones to choose from. Rosie, what are you going for? Yeah, this sounds like I'm picking this off, but I do actually think it's going to be a very close game, even though I'm going to be heavily involved within it. Um, but I'm going to go for the West v Dumfries game at Hamilton Crescent. I think I'm going to be impartial here because I know we've got to decide on the winner. I know that we have to, and I'm going to try and be neutral. And I so hope that no one is listening from my club right now. I think West might win it. Oh, that's so hard to say. But I think I'm going to score a 50 and get a 5 for so it'll be fine. <laughs> you're, you're either going to be a genius at predictions or you'll have jinxed them. So we, it's win-win. Either way, you're going to come out of this okay. 100%. <laughs> What are you thinking, Jake? Well, actually, that was a game I've been thinking of as well. Um, for me, I'm going to go for the big one, the Western Premier, Clydesdale against Prestwick. Both unbeaten, both putting sides pretty much the sword so far. Uh, the unbeaten record is going to have to go for one of them. And for me, I don't know if it's sticking my neck out too far, but I can't see past Clydesdale for the win. Um, they've conceded only 249 runs in their three matches so far, but they just have that winning habit. You know, I mean, last year, I remember being at Fergusley for the Fergusley Presswick game and the news coming through of of Clydesdale in real trouble against Langside, you know, nine down, still plenty needed and so on. And they got themselves over the line. And then, of course, at Fergusley, that last match of the season, when we all know what happened, what happened there. And they did it, you know, without key men as well. Uh, Richie Barrington not being available for many of the games last season for various reasons. Craig Young, of course, had that that injury that put him out for the the sharp end of the campaign. No Richie again this week, of course, he's away uh, on Scotland duty, but they just have that mindset and confidence around the club. I think it's going to be tight for sure, and this division has already shown us that anything can happen, but it's the champions for the win for me. Um, we'll probably all crash and burn with that, um, but we'll find out soon enough. Uh, I'm looking forward, actually, to looking back on what we said or maybe we just won't mention it if we got it really wrong yeah yeah hopefully definitely. I got it, 
hopefully I got it really wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, if we get it right, there's a, there'll be a cup involved. But, if we all just get it wrong, no, 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 no. We don't, we don't do that anymore. I'm waiting for all the complaints from people after we've started doing this part. I did this part to the podcast now. Okay, anyway... We'll find out soon enough, which we'll be on to next week's show, of course. A new interview, more predictions and performances of the week, and hopefully some more entries onto the honours board too. But that's it from us today. I hope you've enjoyed it, and thanks again for listening. Until next Tuesday, bye!